Well, probably good. Well, now, wasn't that nice? <laughs> Not bad. I got, got my daughter singing, my son-in-law playing the guitar, and my favorite worship leader beating on some box. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, what? It's a cajon. Well, that's a fine cajon if I ever saw one. <laughs> but when I, I tell you what, yeah, yeah. These folks live in my backyard. There's sometimes I wish it didn't. You know, you know, absence, you know, fondness and closeness and stuff. I'm really proud of y'all. I want you to know that. God bless y'all. I wish Mama had been here to her. That's the only thing. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to talk about remembering tonight. I thought it was kind of funny when David said, don't forget it's Easter next week. Like, duh, you know. But, you know, seriously, some people will forget. Like, like for instance, you know, I told you, I've reached that age. When you tell me something, I just got the courage now to say, write it down. If you tell me, I'm going to forget it. At least I don't lose the note. There's a chance that I'm going to remember. You know, I've got the note. I'm more likely to remember. You know, did y'all know something about Dave Nate? Yeah, well, he walked in this morning and he had, you know, he had his tie on, but that, that wasn't very unusual. But I looked at him and go, man, what happened, dude? You know? And, and, and of course, I know something had changed in his face. Okay? And so tonight, I'm sitting there going, Dave, what, what did you cut off? I said, did you have a mustache or what? Now, I've known this man for seven years. I've looked at his face 52 times a week, and I could not remember what he shaved off. I knew the hair was gone a long time ago. It was a goatee and a mustache. And, and as soon as you said that, I remember. I remember. See, we do need, listen, listen, here's the whole crux of that. It wasn't just rambling. We do need help remembering. You know, David mentioned this morning about the need to remember what Jesus Christ did for us. And that's why remembrings and things that help us remember are so important. So take your Bibles, and we're going to Joshua chapter 4 first, and then we're going to just go on over in the New Testament, the 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I want to talk about remembering tonight. And, and I want you to come away from this acknowledging, and whether we're so glad that the Boy Scout guys with us tonight, you know, the Scouts, whether you're young, young, young tonight, or whether you're up, up, up in age, you know, it's important that we remember and don't get over what Jesus Christ did for us. You know, Mary has on her um, Kentucky shirt, you know, go, go cats. And I, if the Jayhawks win, that's cool too, you know. But we get so passionate about things, which are cool, like the basketball games and stuff. But we need to be equally passionate about something far more important, and that's Jesus Christ. And what he did. Now, here's the story set up. Moses is, is dead, okay? And, and, the, and the children of Israel, now under the leadership of Joshua, are fixing to cross over the Jordan River, okay? Now, I've been to the Holy Land, and, and the Jordan River at points is very narrow. You could easily chuck a rock across it, okay? But during flood stage, the, the Jordan River could get very large and very, very wide. And, and that's really what's kind of happened in this situation. The Jordan River represents a very formidable uh, uh, barrier to going to the promised land. Okay, so, so what happens is, you know, Joshua's going like, you know, should we call in the, the Corps of Army Engineers and get a floating bridge across? What should we do? And basically, God says this. God says, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to stop the Jordan River for you. 
Okay? And what I want you to do is, we're going to get the ark, okay? We're going to get the ark and the guys with the trumpets and stuff. And as soon as their feet touch the water, the water's going to back up, okay? And it's going to become dry ground, and, and they're going to go stand in the middle of the river, okay? And then, as it stands in the middle of the river, I want all your army to go across into the promised land. Okay? Really radical. Kind of rings a bell like Charleston Heston and Moses and... The Red Sea. Okay? So same kind of thing. That's what happens. They get in the middle of the thing. Oh, 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 oh. And God says, I have an idea. Because we know that we kind of have a tendency to forget, what I want you to do is, when you get to the middle of the river, right before the ark comes out and the guys come out, because we have a tendency to forget, I want you to go into the middle of the riverbed and I want you to get 12 stones, you know, rocks, and bring them out and keep them with you. Okay? As a memorial... For this day. And then that's exactly what happened. They get on the edge of the river. They put their foot in the water. And the water backs up. They go down there with the ark and the trumpets and all that. The people cr- cross over on dry ground. They all, they, they, Joshua says, hey, you 12 guys, come over here. Pick up the rocks. They take the rocks out. And as soon as the guys get out of the water, here comes the water back. Like that. And that's kind of where our scripture picks up now tonight. Listen to scripture. Joshua 4.19. <coughs> The people came up from the Jordan. Now, remember, the Jordan represents something that would separate us from God, okay? The, the people came out from the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they camped at Gilgal on the eastern limits of Jericho. So the first time, the people in bulk are now in the promised land, all right? There's many battles to fight, but they are on the edge of the promised land. And the Bible says, verse 20, Then Joshua set up in Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken from the Jordan. So what he does is he makes a large pile of rocks there in the camp by Gilgal. Okay, verse 21. And he said to the Israelites, in the future, aren't you glad there's a future? In the future, when your children ask their fathers, what is the meaning of these stones? You see the purpose Notice, notice he said, now, when your children ask, the Israelites were living such a way, they were to live in such a way that when the children saw something, they would ask a question. You know, we should live our lives as far as God goes, that they ask questions about God, about us. Our lives should so such be lived that they see God moving in our life in such a way that they say, Dad, what is that about? You know, your kids... Your kids ought to see you write your tithe check every once in a while. If your kids are still at home, you need to accidentally let them see write the check. You need to make sure that they notice that you dropped the check in the offering plate. You want to know why? Because that will ask, hey, Dad, why do you give to God? Great teaching opportunity. You, you should let them hear a conversation on the phone when your buddy calls and says, Dude, 74 degrees tomorrow, sunny skies. What do you say about 18 holes? They need to hear you say, you know, maybe Sunday afternoon, but, you know, Sunday morning, that's just God's time. And so, love to play golf with you some other time, but can't take God's time. To you need to let them hear things like that because it's great teaching moments. And so, so Joshua knew that sometime in the future, okay, sometime in the future, some children would come up with some daddies and, and, and say, you know, a bunch of scouts. And so they, they come up and, and the rocks aren't forming a fire pit, guys. There's this pile of rocks. And so he knew there would come a time when the kids would say, Hey, Dad, what do those rocks mean? Okay, now watch, watch. Verse 22. You should tell your children. We could preach a sermon right there. 
You should tell your children. Now, here, guys, here's what happened. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. That's the miracle. Tell, tell your kids. When, when you see the rocks, tell them, yeah, there was a time that we were on this side of the Jordan, and we need to go to this side of the Jordan. And, and God did this really cool thing. Well, all of a sudden, the, the water just stopped flowing. It was, really, it was just like miraculous. What happened? I mean, one day the water was flowing, and the next day the water was flowing. You need to tell them of the miracle that you saw take place. But look, it's, it then goes, goes further. Look at verse 23. For the Lord your God dried up the waters. Tell them, listen, tell them of the miracle, but tell them of the miracle maker. Good place for an amen. Tell them of the miracle... And tell them of the miracle maker. Moms, dads, grandmothers, grandfathers, live your life in such a way so there are God stories in your life. And tell them of the miracle that God did for you. Now, it may not be drying up the Jordan. It may not be. But look for the things that God does in your life that you know are extraordinary. And then, when they ask you, Dad, what about that? Be sure and tell them about the God who did that. See? We're not careful. We'll tell people, you need to start going to church. That's cool. That's cool. You know what? You ought to go to church. But people don't need church. They need Jesus. We must make much more to do about our God and our Savior than the Dorsville Baptist Church or the Southern Baptist Convention. Our life story needs to be about the miracles, the way God is working our lives, and the miracle worker that caused it to happen. Now, in this case... He knew time would pass. But can I ask you a question? Lola May, can I ask you a question? How far back would you have to go? I know not very far in your case. Where you knew God worked in your life. She was in my office one day telling me what God was doing in her life. Just five weeks ago, six weeks ago, seven weeks ago. How far back do you have to go for your God story? I would hope that your relationship with God is in such a way that your salvation is not just a date in history. It's an ongoing process of God working on your behalf, miracles and doings of God in your life. And the kids see the pile of rocks. What do these rocks mean? Well, one day I needed the river dried up. And God, the miracle worker, dried the river up. He goes and says, you dried up the, the waters of the Jordan before you, before you until you had crossed over just as the Lord your God did for the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. Joshua had saw the Red Sea episode. Now he lived to see the Jordan episode. Now, listen, you may you may never have Rick Rock, Rick Rock. You may never have a Red Sea experience, but I don't think it's out of line. To expect Red Sea-like experiences. Come on, Baptist. You may never have a Red Sea experience. After all, there's only one Pentecost. God may never part the Red Sea. But if you ask and, and, and you expect and you look around, you're going to see God doing things in your life. Learn to recognize the small miracles of God. And sometimes that involves you being the miracle. To being the message. When these guys go out tomorrow and work, and as a team works, they are being the message in some way. And a guy named Ronnie's life, that team is being the miracle. He had no insurance. His landlord said, I'm not going to fix the house because there is no insurance. He did not know how it was going to happen. They're the miracle. 
Down the road is a guy, a guy named Eddie and a girl named Buffy. She stayed home from work that day so distraught because she didn't know what they were going to do. And three guys knocked on the door and said, we're going to fix your house. She goes inside weeping, comes back out and says, you're going to do what? I said, well, we're going to fix your house. And tonight, they only said they were going to fix the house. Tonight, her house is being worked on. They are the miracle tonight. Sometimes we see the miracles and sometimes we are the miracle in people's life. But live in such a way that you recognize and that you are, you see the opportunities to be the miracles that God has. It goes on verse down to verse number 24. This is so. This is why. Now, you know why, you know why Jesus performed so many miracles? You, you think maybe he saw a blind guy and just said, you know, it's really a shame that that blind guy is, is blind. We should give him sight. Well, I think that's part of it. You know why God, Jesus, did so many miracles? To point out who he was. I mean, my goodness, he allowed, La- listen, listen, listen. He allowed Lazarus to die. Okay? He allowed Lazarus to die. And he tells us why. So that you could see and believe the miracle of God. How incredible. Here's why the 12 stones are important. This is so that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord's hand is mighty. We, we need to be the miracle and we need to look to see the miracles so that when people see our lives, they see this incredible God that we serve and say, wow, I want some of that. Come on. I want, are, you live, are, are you living in such a way and is your life manifested in such a way that God has shown off in your life? Causing people to say, man, what a mighty God he is. Not what a cool Christian you are, and not a religious person you are, or not what a great church we have, but how incredible is our God. This is why. And, and, so that you may always fear the Lord your God. The word fear there is reverence. He said, I want you to remember these rocks so everybody will, will remember and know the mighty hand of God. But I also want you to do this rock thing and remember these rocks. So that you will remember who God is. So you will remember who God is and what He did. I I do this every once in a while. You do understand you were going to hell. You do understand that, don't you? Before you met Jesus Christ, you were going to hell. A literal place. You know, fire, brimstone, where the worm dies not. No God. Darkness, bottomless pit. That's you are going. And one day, either through God directly speaking to you, or some pastor speaking, or some friend sharing, or you having to pick up a Bible and God revealed Himself to that, your life was forever changed. Because 2,100 years ago, on a Friday, a Jewish carpenter that no one should know, who was the Son of God, who had lived a sinless life because He was God, died on an old rugged cross. Because God loved you. That's incredible. And then, that's cool, but next week we're going to celebrate the fact that death couldn't hold him down. That, that death couldn't keep him in the grave. That's the celebration. And that forever, you know, lots of people died on crosses. And lots of people made dramatic claims about why they died. If Jesus had died and made all those claims and stayed dead, 
Nice martyr. He said, I'm just going I'm gonna prove something to you. I'm gonna prove that I wasn't even just a powerful teacher and could happen to accidentally heal people's eyes. I'm gonna prove to you that I'm the Son of God, and on the third day I'm gonna get back up again. Proving that he was God. We should fear God because of what he's done for us, guys. Don't ever let the cross go cold. You know? Don't ever let the cross grow old. Don't ever let the cross become mundane. Look at the rocks and remember the day when the greatest miracle of your life took place. And that's when God forgave your sins. You could bring nothing to the table. You had nothing that you could bring and say, God, I deserve heaven and forgiveness because of this. It was simply God's amazing grace. So what I want to do tonight is, and now's the time, Brother Dwight and whoever else the other person is. Tonight I want to give you a rock. Okay? Um, I have these. Go ahead. Just everybody take a rock. It's for yours to keep. I found this in the, um, in the box, in the little can there. I keep these rocks in my office. And a long time ago, I guess a couple of years ago probably, uh, a couple in our church gave me a bag of rocks. And, um, and I, I, you know, I remember what it was for. You know, I knew it was there. And then I lifted the, the container up that had the rocks in it, the rest of the rocks. And underneath there was the card they gave me. And it was this scripture about the 12 stones of remembrance. And this bag are 12 stones. And, and I want to give you a rock tonight. And I want you to take that rock and I want you to set it in your windowsill. Guys, wherever you shave this week. And as we, as we walk through Holy Week this week, looking forward to the resurrection of Jesus Christ... I want you to let that be your rock of remembrance. And I want you to remember what it's all about. Now, with that thought in mind, Jesus also knew that we would need remembering. He, he knew we need help remembering. And so he gave us what? The Lord's Supper. Communion. The last Passover. And, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 Paul tells us about this. And while they're handing the rocks out, let me just go ahead and kind of go through this. This this is the rock of remembrance for the New Testament. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the very same night that the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. And I think we, most of us have been in church enough, perhaps not, but most of us have, that we understand that because the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, that there's none righteous, no, not one, that every one of us deserved the cross. That the wages of sin was death, and we deserved that death. That the broken body of Jesus was broken in our place. He took our place on the cross. And that night, as he handed the bread, the loaf of bread out, and the boys broke off a piece, a piece, a piece, he's telling them, guys, as you break that loaf apart, I want you to remember something. I took your place on the cross. And tonight, in a few moments, as we observe the Lord's table, you're going to get a little square of bread. We don't do the loaf thing, but, but the little square of bread. And I want you to remember that that symbolizes the fact that Jesus Christ took your place on the cross. Would you do that? When you're asked to put that bread in your mouth, just like they did 2,100 years ago, 
Would you remember? Would you remember that Jesus took your place on the cross? That's your rock of remembrance. And then he goes further. Verse 25. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. He, he took a common cup in those days, and we used the little individual cups. But he took the individual cups, or the, the, the cup, and passed it around, and they each one drank from it. He says, guys, th- this wine, this unfermented grape juice, many believe, represents my blood. And my blood is going to be shed for you because God said that wages of sin was death. And later the author of Hebrews even said this way, without the shedding of blood, there can be no Remission, no taking away of sin. And I want you to know that what's going to happen in about 15 hours is all about my blood being shed that you could come into remembrance, into relationship with me. So guys, as you drink the cup tonight, he would tell them, remember, tomorrow I'm going to shed my blood. And it's all about redemption. It's all about me paying the price for your sin and appeasing the wrath of God. On the cross. In just a few minutes, we're going to have a cup. And as you drink that juice tonight, I want it to be your rock of remembrance. I want you to go back. And don't, don't look for a gold shiny cross like that's up there. Look for a blood-stained Roman cross like we have in our other building. And I want you to, as you eat and as you drink tonight... Let that be your rock of remembrance for this whole week and beyond of what Jesus Christ did for you. Folks, it's incredible. We did not deserve anything, and yet He gave us everything. And that, I think that's probably, you know, the Corinthian church, we think we have a bad society-wise. Corinth was just a really carnal place. And they had problems with sin. That's why he even wrote this. The Lord's Supper become like a party time. That's why he wrote this. And, and he said, therefore, um, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood. Let a man examine himself, so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. And, and it's not like you've got to be worthy to take Lord's Supper because none of us are worthy. It's an adverb in an unworthy way. Don't take it lightly tonight. Don't take the rock of remembrance in a light way. As you eat the bread and drink the juice, really remember what Jesus had in mind that night when he did it. And that will be in a worthy, worthy manner. Now, you say, well, Dwayne, you know, we're guests here tonight. You know, can, can we take Lord's Supper? Absolutely. Um, I've never found a better term. I've tried and tried and I can't. But we practice open communion. And that simply means this. It's not about the Dorsville family. It's about the family of God. And if you tonight know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we invite you to the table tonight to participate with us. So in a few moments, our deacons are going to hand out the elements of the Lord's Supper. Um, Remember, please, you're going to get two cups at once. They'll be stacked on top of each other. And one will have the bread and one will have the juice. I think the bread's on bottom, if I remember correctly. Sometimes you have to give it a gentle twist to get it apart. Just just warn you that so you won't baptize your brother with grape juice. Okay? Be careful of that. 
Um, but, but please remember this. And so, as we have our music tonight, I would like our deacons to come up, please. And then we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. And we're going to remember the rock of remembrance. It's not going to be just bread. It's not going to be just grape juice. It's not going to be something we do four times a year. We're going to do it because we remember. We're going to pile the rocks up tonight. And we're going to remember what Jesus Christ did for us. Just to confuse everybody, I want to ask the blessing tonight. Normally I ask one of our deacons to. But I'd just like to lead us in a time of prayer. And then guys, we'll have you up and come up and serve, okay? Let's pray. Father, how incredible, how incredible this whole story is. Whether we think about the Jordan River drying up and a pile of 12 stones on the shore and remembering what you did then, that was incredible. But Jesus, what we remember tonight is even more incredible. Even more incredible. That you would take on flesh, become man, Emmanuel, God with us. Live this perfect life, loving people and touching people. And then literally allow yourself to be crucified. And then speak the words that's finished and yield up your own life. That's incredible. We thank you tonight. For the bread that symbolizes the fact that you went to the cross so we did not have to. We thank you tonight for the cup that speaks to us that we have a new covenant with you. That blood, precious blood, sinless blood has been spilt that we could have forgiveness of sins and relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us these rocks of remembrance. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen. Gentlemen, would you come please as we get ready to serve?
as I said, that night he passed the loaf around. And each time they broke it off, they understood the significance of it. And Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take eat in remembrance of me. The new covenant the new age of grace, a new way made perfectly clear by the cross. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. The author of Hebrews said, the blood of sheep and goats could never cleanse sin. But Jesus said, this cup is a new covenant or testament in my blood. As often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Now, would you like another rock of remembrance? Remember, you got two cups. Remember what we do with them? You take them home this week, and you set these on your windowsill. One of them represents what? The empty tomb. The grave is empty tonight. Amen? We're going to celebrate it next week. But also, the other cup represents your open mouth to tell others what God has done in your life about your stones of remembrance. Amen? We're so glad you came. And Boy Scout guys, I really want you to know, thank you so much for being with us, but also for worshiping with us. Be looking for round. Y'all around to Wednesday. Is that right? Is that right? And our other team that's still in the field, just make them feel like our honored guests. Love them real good. And if you can help them, that'd be an incredible way to celebrate uh, this holy week. All right? Really would. Okay. We got something to go out with, buddy? Can you lead us in amazing grace?
acapella. All right, let's stand to our feet. Sing this incredible hymn. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. How sweet.